0: We're talking all things personal development, including health, fitness, confidence, relationships, and so much more. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's jump into today's episode. You're listening to episode number 31 of the Grind and Be Grateful podcast. First off, today when I'm recording this intro, I'm feeling a lot better. But yesterday, I was hit hard with the flu. So my apologies for the sick voice. But the good news is, I was perfectly healthy when this episode was actually recorded, so you only have to bear with me for a couple more minutes. But secondly, this episode was honestly very outside of my comfort zone business-wise because it is all about sex. And it's not that talking about sex in general makes me uncomfortable when it comes to like my friends or even my mom, but talking about it on a podcast and all over the internet to like thousands of strangers all over the world is definitely something new for me. So if this is outside of your comfort zone too, don't worry, I feel like this conversation made everything super approachable and fun and just applicable to everyone. So there's a seat at the table for you. And with all of that being said, today's guest is a total badass and she has broken through all of those barriers that I am still working on. Her name is Devin Day Moretti and she is a women's health and fitness coach focuses on confidence and self-love. And one of the big topics she focuses on with her clients, which I think is kind of unique in this coaching space, is sex. She makes a lot of content for her clients and her followers around the topic of sex. And she just really encourages women to reclaim their sex lives, start having sex with the lights on and feel empowered in the bedroom, which I think is so cool and so unique. And it's kind of like a unique spin on the whole confidence movement. So I knew that I had to bring her on. And whether we are talking about it or not, I think so many women struggle with this aspect of their confidence and self-love. So I'm really excited for you to hear from Devin today. and I know that you're going to grow a ton just by hearing her story and the actionable steps that she is sharing with us. But before we get into this juicy episode, let's do the review of the week. This week's review is from Sam K 13 and she says, I cannot begin to explain how real, raw, and relatable this podcast is for any girl who has endured the mental and emotional consequences that accompanies periods of extreme dieting. This podcast provides genuine and practical health advice, allows you to see the persevering extremes is not a productive way to achieve your health goals, and opens you up to the idea that you are made up of more than just your body. It is enlightening, and I highly recommend it to every girl seeking balance and sustainability in regards to her health. Sam K 13, you just won yourself a limited edition Grind and Be Grateful t-shirt because I am so grateful for your review and for you listening to the show. I'm so, so glad that you can relate to the message that I am sharing. And I'm so glad that it is just resonating with you and helping you find a more sustainable and balanced approach to health and fitness and life in general. So Sam K 13, once you hear this, go ahead and DM me on Instagram which is at Marie E. Wold to let me know that you heard it and I'll get you your size and your shipping info and send you your free Grind and Be Grateful shirt. If you are listening right now and you're not Sam K13, you can get a chance at being the review of the week by leaving the show a rating and review on iTunes and you are then entered to get featured on the show and be the proud new owner of a limited edition Grind and Be Grateful t-shirt that aren't even for sale right now. So Leaving a review takes literally one minute, but makes my entire day. So thank you in advance if you do so. All you need to do is search for the show on iTunes or the Apple Podcasts app, find the ratings and review section, and then add your own. This week's show is brought to you by my favorite natural body product company, Primally Pure. I figure since we're already talking about sex, we might as well talk about armpits and body odor too, right? (laughs) In all seriousness, Primally Pure deodorant is my favorite natural deodorant I've ever tried and I've tried tons of them, you guys. I made the switch to exclusively natural deodorant a couple of years ago when I first started learning about hormonal imbalances and how to heal my own. And I found out that mainstream skincare and body products and just like all the things that you find typically at the drugstore, for example, were contributing a huge amount of hormone disrupting chemicals to my daily routine. And while deodorant might not seem like a big deal, it's actually one of the biggest ways you can either contribute to your toxic buildup or bring nourishing natural ingredients to your body. Primally Pure's deodorant is made up entirely of recognizable ingredients like organic coconut oil, organic beeswax, and a touch of baking soda for its odor-neutralizing powers, and the fragrances are just from essential oils. How cool is that? My favorite scents, I was going to say flavors for a second, but they are scents, although you'd probably be fine to eat these since they're so natural and wholesome. But anyway, my favorite scents are the charcoal, which also has eucalyptus and peppermint in it, and the lavender one, which is super like relaxing and dreamy smelling without being grandma-ish at all. And I just kind of alternate between those two. They are my favorite. But as you know, I'm an active gal, so I am not easy to please when it comes to deodorant, but Primally Pure has truly surpassed all of my natural deodorant expectations. I love them, and I will never go back to conventional deodorant at this point. I know that you will love it too, so if you want to make the switch and really keep that promise to yourself to get healthier in 2019, you can head to primelypure.com and use discount code Marie at checkout to save 15% on your entire purchase. Oh, and by the way, if you really want to treat yourself, grab a tub of the vanilla almond body butter while you're there. It smells like fresh baked almond cookies, and it just feels so heavenly. I slather it on after a shower. It is amazing. Again, You can check out the entire line and just check out all the incredible products and the benefits of switching over to natural products at PrimelyPure.com and then code Marie, M-A-R-I-E will save you 15% at checkout. Hello, Devin. Thank you so much for being
1: on the show. I'm stoked for this conversation today. I am too. I'm so happy to be here. And it just feels like an honor. I've been looking up to you for years. (laughs) Oh,
0: really? That's so amazing. And I think I found you like, probably three or four months ago. And I was like, this girl is rad. And I hadn't seen anyone that was like doing the same thing as you like there are a lot of women that are talking about empowerment and body image and Mm -hmm. confidence and stuff. But obviously, by the title of the show, we're gonna like put a sexual spin on things. And I don't really see people like, openly talking about that. And I was like, I'm really curious about this. Like, this girl has a great, like, a great idea and a great concept. And I like what you do. So (laughs) I'm excited to talk. Yeah. And so today is all about, like, girl talk. I'm excited for us to get super open and super real about, like, confidence, sexuality, Mm -hmm. body image, empowerment, all of that good stuff. But before we go there, can you tell us more about you, like who you are, what your story is and how you came to be so passionate and knowledgeable
1: about like these topics at hand? Yeah, of course. So I'm going to trace it back to the beginning. But I used to severely struggle with my body image and I suffered from an eating disorder, which was life shattering in all the ways that something can because it just affected so many areas of my life. And it started in my earliest days, so I was just like seated in this deep sense of hatred for my body. And the more and more I became aware of my body, the more and more that feeling intensified. And it was all created by a combination of things, the media, and then also the way I was raised in my household. So my stepmom was obsessed with her body growing up, and she was obsessed with celebrities, always watching the latest things, getting the latest magazines, and Mm -hmm. she always was shaming herself for not looking a certain way or not living up to that image. I can really relate to that. Yeah, and she would constantly say things like, I'm not worthy enough to be loved. I don't know how your father likes me when there's like all these other moms who are far more beautiful than me. And she was also, while in doing that, she was constantly following diets, very restrictive diets, like the licenza, like shake the stuff on your food. And it was like, there was always a new diet she was following. And at night, I always like came, like her and I would kind of spend a lot of time together at night once she put the boys to sleep. And she was always benching at night. And that had its own effect on me and in a way programmed me to believe that that was normal. And then in high school, I became infatuated with the Victoria's Secret show, which I just want to say thank you for talking about it on social media, because I think it's really important with what had happened recently. For sure. But I wanted to look like them. I wanted to be like them. And as hard as I tried, I could never actualize my desires, which made me grow to hate my body even more. And I thought like all the differences of my body compared to what I saw in the media made me unworthy because I grew up seeing only one body type being celebrated. And there wasn't much diversity like there is today. And I, of course, wanted to be celebrated and praised and considered beautiful, like all the girls on the runway and in the Victoria's Secret magazines and the shows. And ultimately, that led into the obsession I had with my body. And it catalyzed my eating disorder. And in the midst of that, that obsession eventually grew into something I was kind of passionate about. Like I ended up really, really enjoying fitness and nutrition and I enjoyed learning about it. And I was always like researching the best way to lose fat and like using Google to find everything that I wanted to know. And in doing so, I also discovered powerlifting and I never competed, but I did train very similarly. <laughs> and it shifted like my entire perspective on both movement and food. Because I started to fuel my body for my workouts and focus more on what my body could do rather than how it looked and how it was changing. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, while I was fighting my eating disorder, although I was close to overcoming it and my obsession was a little less, a little less strong, um, I met this wonderful human who was my boyfriend at the time, who was also into the fitness industry. And he kind of gave me a different outlook on things. And I remember one day vividly where he just came into the bathroom as I was getting ready and he goes, Look at this new stretch mark I have. And he was just like completely enamored with it and like loved it. And he's like, My muscles are growing. I like took a moment to like sit with what he just said to me and I processed it and I'm like, Hmm, like this is really shifting my perspective on the way that I think about stretch marks. And oh, my boyfriend also has stretch marks. Like, and he's proud to have them. And the way that he, like, I was conditioned to believe that they were wrong. Whereas he was like, this is my body growing. This is like its way of adjusting. And it completely kind of like shifted the way I viewed stretch marks as something that wasn't weird or disgusting, but something that's normal and something that our bodies create. And once I started to truly shift the way, you know, I felt about exercise with powerlifting and food as a form of fuel and nourishment and my body, I started to feel more empowered and feel more confident. And I like dived into like all of these like self-help, self-love books. And once I started to feel like truly confident in myself, I wanted to help women experience that same ease in their body and unpack some of the stuff that us women are conditioned to believe, which is where I am today Mm. and what led me to what I'm so passionate about.
0: Yeah. Oh, I just, I can resonate or relate to so much of your story as far as your background with Just idolizing like body types that were very different from yours and that like weren't realistic or healthy Mm -hmm. for you. Also, just not growing up in the best like environment when it comes to cultivating a good relationship with food and your body. Like I can definitely relate to all of that and just kind of those circumstances really create like a breeding ground for having issues with food and body stuff.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. So with that, like, my first question off the bat is like, how do you have that sort of background, and how do you have those definite triggers, and then also not use it as an excuse or a blaming thing to where you're like, oh well, this happened to me, and I guess like this is just the way it is. Like, how did you become empowered to move past that instead of just like using that as
1: an excuse? You know? Hmm. I mean, a lot of things come into play there, and I will say like. I think that books are super helpful. I am such a book nerd. And I think that it gives you an entire perspective on things and really opens you up to certain things. And it is hard not to point the blame on everything else because sometimes it is easier to suffer and it is easier to stay there. And it is easier to point the blame and point fingers at everybody else instead of being responsible for how we feel and the stories that you know, happen and like all the things that happen to us and just staying complacent in that rather than trying to work past it and working past our triggers and all of the trauma that we go through is fucking hard. (laughs) And it's traumatizing itself because you're almost reliving the trauma. Mm. And so I completely understand that. But like, if we want to feel better about ourselves, like it's important and imperative for us to be aware, take responsibility and work through it.
0: Yeah. So along that line, like, what do you think is the number one thing that's keeping women feeling trapped in their lack of confidence or self-acceptance aside from just like, you know, obviously the first inclination for people is like, oh, I just need to change my body. I need to lose 10 pounds. I need to have a flat stomach and then I'll be confident. But like, what do you think is actually the number one thing
1: keeping them trapped? While I don't think we need to change our bodies to feel confident, I do think like both of those things kind of go and play with each other because I wholeheartedly believe when you're not taking care of yourself, it can make it harder to feel confident in your body because you feel uncomfortable in your body. And I know for me, when I don't work out and when I don't nourish my body with healthy foods, I feel brain foggy and bloated and tired. And I just don't feel like my most empowered, highest, healthiest self. And so that's definitely part of it. But I think the biggest thing probably just has to do with the stories we tell ourselves. So thinking that our worth is contingent on how we look. And I think the first step to healing that, just like with most things, is bringing awareness to it. So bringing awareness to the self-limiting and self-sabotaging thoughts we have and knowing that those beliefs can be altered into something that better suits us and better serves us. So to start to like unpack it again is like being aware of those deprecating stories we tell ourselves, the ones that are like, you're not good enough, that everyone else is better than you, that you aren't beautiful. And in order to let go of those narratives, bringing awareness and then tracing back to the origin of where it's coming from. Because, you know, more often than not, it's a story that someone projected on us, either like from the media or somebody we know personally, and it's not something we think independently of ourselves. Right. So those stories are usually conclusions we make about ourselves. They're always coming from somewhere else.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when these stories are coming from other places, I mean, you know how they say that like kids aren't taught to be hateful or... Mm-hmm. Rude or whatever. Like, they're not born that way. They're taught to be that way. And it's the same as the way we are to ourselves. Like, we're not taught to be hypercritical of ourselves or mean or look down on ourselves. And so, with that, like, once we identify that voice inside of ourselves, how can we, like, separate our truth? Dare I say, like, the naked truth? How can we separate that from the voice in our head that isn't
1: the truth? Yeah, of course. So, You don't have to take these stories to heart and you don't have to let them hold power over you. And all these negative stories we tell ourselves are, again, they were spoon-fed to us at some point. Mm -hmm. And you have to realize that you have a choice to believe them or let them go. So you have the power to rewrite the script and believe something entirely different. Again, something that better suits you and makes you feel better about yourself. And we don't have to let these thoughts and these stories take momentum which is another thing, like as important as it is to kind of unpack where it's coming from and understanding that it's not our truth, it's somebody else's truth, we can also just realize that it's just a thought sometimes. We have like these really weird thoughts, silly thoughts, uncomfortable ones And like, sometimes we think things like when, like if you're sitting in a classroom and you think something bizarre and you're like, why the fuck would that come in my head? Like, why did did that come to my mind? And realizing that we don't have to identify ourselves with our thoughts. And as important as it is to unpack them sometimes and not just completely ignore them, especially if it's something that pops up frequently, like something that relates to your worth, unpacking that, but also the thoughts that are just like, spontaneous and fucking weird sometimes the thing we can do is ignore them and not latch on to them and realize that we aren't our thoughts Mm -hmm. we don't have to spiral down that path and we can shut it up and shift our focus on something else Mm -hmm. yeah like we
0: don't have to identify with our thoughts and actually there are two ways that i first like discovered this concept and the first one was the book the four agreements That was, I think, the first like personal development, like higher consciousness book that I ever read. It like blew my world wide open. Oh my
1: God,
0: same. Yeah, like that book, if you haven't read it, if you're listening and you haven't read it, definitely read it immediately. But another thing is learning how to meditate because meditation teaches you to like be a consciousness outside of your thoughts Mm -hmm. and just kind of like observe your thoughts passing through. And it teaches you how to like pick and choose which ones you want to engage with. Versus just like letting your stream of consciousness kind of run your life. And so when you're conditioned to have a stream of consciousness that is mean to you and is berating you for the way you look, the way you talk, the way what like people think of you, whatever it might be like, if that's your constant stream of consciousness, that does become your identity. But once you're aware that your stream of consciousness is not you, you can like separate yourself and reestablish your worth. So once someone gets to that point where they are able to separate themselves from their thoughts,
1: what would be like a next step to kind of rebuilding that worth? Right, of course. So I mean, there are all kinds of things. And I think it essentially, it depends on what it is that is like deeply rooted and what you're struggling with. Mm -hmm. So if it is a body image thing, figuring out what exactly it is, if you are insecure about your stomach, for example, I know that was like one of my biggest insecurities. It's like, well, it's not flat like everything else, because you are constantly seeing images of you need to have like this lean sculpted stomach and like have abs and like, use this cream to make your abs look blah, 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 and like all of this stuff. And so I think figuring out where it's coming from, like where that insecurity is coming from, and then unpacking it and then shifting your belief to something completely different. So maybe it is. I know for me, it was filtering out my Instagram and looking at more women who are diverse and have different types of bodies and aren't always lean in their stomach area and realizing that all of our genetics are different and our genetic makeup is different. And the way we like hold fat is going to be different compared to how another girl holds fat. She might hold more fat in her legs and I might hold more fat in my stomach and it doesn't make me unworthy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so with that, like, I guess the biggest thing is we have to redefine like what we think is beautiful and find things about ourselves that we do love. And sometimes that can be so hard when we're like just conditioned that only one way is beautiful just based on the media. So once we know that we have this false belief that you can only be beautiful by being a certain way or you can only be worthy by looking a certain way. Do you have any like mm-hmm. strategies or practices that you use or you teach your clients as far as like finding things to celebrate about yourself and like things that are different about you that actually make you beautiful instead of unworthy or less than someone else?
1: Yeah, I think that something that's really important for us to do, especially when we compare ourselves, something that really helps to stop comparing ourselves is to really focus on the power and the magic within us and realizing that we are all uniquely different this perspective of how boring would it be if we were all the same, if we all look the same, if we all had the same talents and we are so individually and uniquely different. And that's what makes us powerful. And that's what makes us so magical. And to really focus in on what makes us different and celebrating those differences, because that is what makes us magical. Nobody laughs the same as us or smiles the same as us or processes the thoughts the way that we do. And sometimes, like the way I share my message compared to how somebody else shares their message might be, you know, better suited for somebody else because of my own experiences or just the way that I like craft a story. And I think it's just really important to focus on what we love about ourselves instead of nitpicking all the things that we wish we could change or we wish could be better. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it goes with that saying as like, brightness of someone else's flame like doesn't take away from yours or like acknowledging someone yeah. else's beauty doesn't make you less beautiful. And so I think a lot of times we get like jealous or we fall into that comparison trap because we think that if someone else has something great that we don't have, that means that we are less than them when in reality we probably have something totally different that's just as great as whatever they have, but we're so wrapped up in not having that thing that we can't celebrate what we have, you know? Right.
1: So, another thing is like we can admire so that somebody is beautiful without letting it detract from ourselves. And so, something that I have my clients practice is if you feel like you're falling into like the jealousy cycle or the comparison game, just like take a step back and be like, wow, she is stunning. She's beautiful. Like, good for her. And then, like, leaving it at that instead of she's so beautiful. Oh my God, I'm not as beautiful. Mm -hmm. So, just leaving it
0: there. Right. Yeah. We don't need to follow it into a like a compliment for them and then something mean to ourselves. Like it can just be a compliment for them. And then for me, I've noticed a lot, if I'm ever jealous of someone and whenever I became aware of this, obviously it's like gotten so much better, but I still occasionally am like, why am I feeling jealous about this person? And it's usually like a hot girl on Instagram or like a business mentor or something like that. I'm like, why am I jealous of them? And it's because like I'm seeing something in them that I want. And the difference between like admiration and jealousy is if you are able to find something within yourself that either you can accomplish the same thing or what you Mm -hmm. have is equal to what they have, like that's how you shift from jealousy and feeling less than. It's like acknowledging what's within yourself and what you're capable of in your own unique way.
1: Yeah. Everything that we see in somebody is just they're a mirror for us and they're reflecting something back to us. And I think sometimes another way to like combat jealousy is. What am I seeing in them that I want? Right. And like, I can, instead of letting it detract from myself, I can just use it as fuel to my fire to go after and chase my dreams. If that is being a successful entrepreneur, letting that be your fire Mm -hmm. instead of letting it be the thing that's like keeping you from moving forward.
0: Yeah. Okay. So I want to shift gears a little bit because I first really found your content because you are one of the only people that's talking about confidence and female empowerment through the lens Mm -hmm. of like sex. And so you have this guide called Sex with the Lights On. And I don't even remember how, like, the first way I found your page, but I think you were talking about your guide. And one of the ideas that just like really stuck out to me in that guide is just your idea that. We're raised to feel that insecure and then feel insecure about our insecurities. And so I want to talk more about that. Like, what does that mean? And why did you feel called to create like sex with the lights on? Why did you feel called to even address that area of confidence?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, well, sex is, I would say a big part of my life and it's always been something that I enjoyed, but for the longest time I shut it off because I felt so insecure about my body. And it was like, oh, my partner wants to have sex with me. Probably not because like I'm having a really bad body image today and I don't feel worthy enough. And like, you know, being naked is very vulnerable because somebody sees all of you. They see all of these things that society tells you you should feel insecure about. And so I was always turning the lights off. I want to get in certain positions. It was just controlling me. And I had realized once I became more confident in my body and started coaching women sex was a thing that popped up all the time. Like I'm starting to feel better in my body, but I still feel uncomfortable in the bedroom. And another thing is part of the reason some women have, there's a a myriad of things that factor into it, but another big part as to why women can't have orgasms or enjoy their sexual adventures is because they are insecure about their bodies and they feel super uncomfortable. They can't think about anything else in the bedroom other than well, what do they think of me right now? Like, is my body look flattering in this angle? And they're just like going down this whole thing. Mm -hmm. So to like go on a tangent about insecurities, so many of us let our insecurities be our identity. And we say things like, I'm an insecure person. But the thing is, we all have insecurities and they don't define us. You have insecurities, but you aren't your insecurities. It's just like a normal part of the human experience. And being confident isn't necessarily about being immune to our insecurities. It's just learning how to work through them. So analyzing the external situation that's causing it and creating it, and then identifying the internal emotions that's triggering it. I think it's really important that we don't see them as a monster that we run away and hide from. And instead, like we let them be our compass to take us down a path to further understand ourselves. And similar to like dismantling some of the beliefs and stories we have, like we have to bring awareness to our insecurities, ask where it's originating from, and then again asking, is it our truth or is it somebody else's? And sometimes we might find like, this is my truth, and maybe it's something you would like to work through and improve on, and that's okay. But again, like too often we let our insecurities, like I did, hold us back from doing something we really enjoy. And we let it hold power over us and control every decision and every move and let it dictate us and distract us from just being present in the moment. And yeah, we are like conditioned to feel insecure about our insecurities. Like I can't let anybody see this insecurity that I have because that makes me unworthy. And so it's just important to realize that it's a normal part of the human experience and we all have them and we can use them to either learn more about ourselves or to improve on something that we would like to improve on. Yeah. Yeah. So with
0: insecurities, like they will literally run your life if you let them. And they can be so crippling. And so, I mean, sex is like a super obvious example, but it's so true in any area of your life, like any facet. Whether it's your career, whether it's your relationships, like your platonic relationships with your friends or your hobbies, like if you let insecurity eat you alive, it will literally eat you alive and you will not be able to rise to your potential or rise to like the fullest expression of who you are. And we have talked a lot about all of those other types of like expressions for who you are on this show, but we haven't talked a lot Mm -hmm. about sex. So let's dive a little bit more into that. And yeah. something I'm really curious about because I've like read some of your articles, like you have a Playboy article, you have articles all over the place, as well as just your social media is a great resource and your guide. And you talk a lot about just letting go of like assumptions and letting go of what you think you should be doing or should look like or should feel like or anything like that. Just like letting go of what society's telling us we should be. And so I'm curious as to like what your experiences are with that as to how it applies to
1: sex and relationships and those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. So this kind of like dives into a little bit with just society and like the images in the media and porn. Mm. And I think that we're constantly bombarded with distorted images and like fucked up messaging to make us feel insecure about ourselves. And I also believe like relating to sex, porn in a way does this similar thing. And I think when people are trying to learn more about sex, sometimes they use porn as their outlet to learn more about sex and their body. Like I know for women who identify as straight, like they might not have ever seen a vagina other than theirs up close. And so they go to porn to check out what their bodies look like and if it's, you know, quote unquote normal. And I honestly think that porn is the worst place to learn about your body and to learn about sex as a whole. I think it can be a great place to learn about maybe fantasies and learn about like what kind of things you like and what turns you on. But when it comes to learning about sex itself, it's just like not a great place to go to because it's only capturing just like social media. It only captures a glimpse of what the media or what the porn industry wants you to see and what they're willing to show you. And it completely abandons everything else. So you don't get to see what goes behind the closed doors. And I think we forget like there's video cameras, but there's also like an editing system that goes on afterwards. So you only see the highlight reels. You don't get to see how messy sex can truly be because it can be really, really messy. Like they do digitally edit their bodies and, that ultimately makes women feel insecure about their vulvas and their breasts and their body hair. And sometimes just like how the media shows more lean bodies, they show this specific type of vulva. And so it's like, well, if my vulva doesn't look like that, then I must like have not a normal vulva. And so I think it's really important for us to bring awareness to those things and to be conscious about what we are seeing and really deciding if it's real or not.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, with like all of those distorted images, as far as what is ideal and what like what men like or what I should like those sort of things. I think it's really easy to fall into the comparison trap and it's really easy to get really hard on yourself like if I don't do this thing or if I don't look this way or if I don't enjoy xyz like we aren't good enough or like if my stomach like folds over in this position or I you can see my mm-hmm. cellulite here whatever like that can really ruin your entire experience with sex. Right. it can just not even be enjoyable if that's what track your brain is stuck on. So, how do you think women can stay confident about whatever they are rocking whether it's this shape of their vulva or the way their stomach, you know, like molds when they move or their body hair or their shape or whatever it is, like how can they be more confident in whatever they are rocking no matter what
1: they've seen or they think is right? Yeah, of course. So, we all have that like I like to call her like our inner mean girl. And she's like that voice we have in our head. And she's just always saying things like, you're not worthy, you're disgusting, don't get in that position, "Your role," you can see your roles, put your clothes back on, you can't wear that. Essentially, she's like our Regina George, who's stealing away our fun and stomping on our confidence. And so I think something that's really helpful is sometimes to just take a moment and imagine what it would be like to go to the pool or to have sex without having all of that noise in your head without being preoccupied with all of these negative stories we tell ourselves. And sometimes it's just that simple shift to focus on what we're doing and how we're feeling, especially in the bedroom, like how is the way that my partner is touching me? How is that making me feel? Do I feel good? And like going down that path and being present in the moment, rather than focusing on how we look. So taking control of our thoughts, especially in the bedroom, just blocking them out because you're not going to obviously unpack an insecurity in the bedroom, and just like not letting them take momentum. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is like normalizing. We really do have to normalize these things about our bodies because cellulite and stretch marks and dimples and rolls, they're all normal things and body hair, all normal things. Like our bodies just create these yeah. these things. It's natural. It's normal. And like we can't attach the normality of our body to something that deems us as unworthy or wrong. Totally.
0: And for me, my confidence like Just outside the bedroom, as like a person in who I am and what I have to offer, detaching my worth from my body and doing all of that like deep work outside of it has really translated to that side of my life. Because, like you said, you're not going to be like in the middle of having sex and be like, "How is this making me feel? How can I unpack? What is you know what I mean? You're not going to have those like philosophical thoughts while you're having sex, but you do so much work outside of it. And that always, always will carry over because I think really sex is kind of like a magnifying glass on those insecurities and whatever's there. Oh my God, absolutely. Yeah, it will just be like stronger. So you can almost use it as like, a learning opportunity instead of like approach with curiosity and compassion instead of judgment. You know what I mean? Like if you're noticing that the way your stomach looks is like impacting your enjoyment, then you can be like, okay, so this is something that I can work on, like file that away, get back to whatever's going on. And it's just about like being in the moment. And this is so weird. But again, like
1: meditation (laughs) has really helped me. It really is. And I think like sometimes we aren't like some. So the clients that I work with, One of the first things I have them focus on is being aware of the thoughts that come up for them. And they're like, Tevin, I didn't realize how negatively I think about myself and like how much I do it. And it's because we aren't aware because we are constantly have like all this noise going on in our head. And like, I think the best way to become really intuitive and like really dial in to like our awareness and our intuition is to meditate and to take time to Silence the noise in our head because then you do become more aware of what is going on. Right. Yeah. It's that work like outside of it that really carries over and just
0: the mindfulness and consciousness. But with having like all of these assumptions and all of these things that we think should be a certain way and all these preconceived notions about sex, I think a huge one of them is how we should be in relation to our partner, especially in like a straight relationship or a straight partnership, I should say. And like how women should always be like submissive and how women should always, you know, like serve the man or whatever it might be. Like I think there are a lot of different roles and assumptions about how women should be in relation to men. And so I know through like just your content and stuff, you're very aware of those things and you've done a lot of work to like
1: address them and challenge them. So can you talk to us a little bit about that sort of stuff? Yeah. So I think that it's really important to be aware that everybody has different things that turn them on. And society again has conditioned us to believe that men should be more dominant, especially in the bedroom. But some men just like aren't dominant and like they get turned on by being more sub and like more women get turned on by being dominant. And I think it's really important like especially when you are in a partnership to explore together what turns you on and to be vocal about it so that you can figure out what you know how to please each other and so both of your needs are getting met and to realize that it's okay if you feel like you're more dominant or if you are more sub or if your partner is vice versa and like we have to realize like what we want instead of what society wants
0: yeah okay cool so then you said like, okay, we should communicate with our partners. We should be asking them what makes them feel good. And I feel like multiple people listening, they just kind of were like, "Ooh, I I can't talk to them about it. Like that's weird. Or like people just have this weird apprehension about communicating with their partner, mm-hmm. whether it's yeah. a long-term partner, it's their boyfriend, their husband, and they've just like never gone there with them. Or it's someone that they yeah. just met and they feel like it's weird. Like how can you make that not awkward and like do you have any go-to kind of like questions or conversation starters for that like communication channel
1: yeah so again everyone has their own desires and kinks and Mm -hmm. we all want and need different things and I get that having this conversation is very vulnerable and uncomfortable, but we have to be willing to have those uncomfortable and honest conversations in order to have like truly meaningful and fulfilling relationships or like sex lives. And another thing to realize is like vulnerability helps us connect with people even deeper because we are sharing this like really uncomfortable thing that's hard for us to voice. And for them to see us in that way and like be open to hearing us, I think just creates just a really profound connection with that individual so that's another way to look at it but you know like our partner like something that your partner might have liked. if you had a previous partner they might have liked something that your new partner does not like and that's why it's just really important to have those open and honest conversations so you can please one another and it could be just having a conversation of like hey what do you like in the bedroom what turns you on does this feel good or does this feel better or are you interested in exploring anything with me or like spicing things up?" And again, like we're all so complex and unique and I hate to say this, but I'm going to say it because especially women, we are pleased differently and pleasing a woman is very, very complicated. And I realized this when I started being with women because I identify as bisexual Mm -hmm. and I was like, wow, no fucking wonder men have a really hard time figuring (laughs) out how to please a woman or find the clit because our vaginas or vulvas are all different and like what turns every girl on is completely different. Like we all need different things. Some enjoy penetration, some don't, some have super sensitive nipples, some don't even flinch. And so that's why communication for like us women is vital so that we can be pleased because sometimes our partner is doing something that they might've done with an ex that really turned them on, but it's not turning you on. Mm -hmm. So rather than saying something like, don't do that. Why are you doing that? That doesn't feel good. Direct them and say something like "up a little" or "down a little" or "more pressure" or "less pressure." And also, when they are doing something that feels really good, validating them because mm-hmm. that, like saying, "Oh, that feels so good," and validating them gives them the cue to keep doing that thing or yeah. reminds them to, "Hey, next time we're in the bedroom, I'm going to do that to her because that's what tickles her.
0: Yeah, that's what turns her on, makes <laughs> her happy, tickles her fancy." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I. I think that women really hesitate to like speak up for what they want and what they need Mm -hmm. in order to enjoy themselves. First of all, because again, in the media, it looks so effortless. It looks like you should both climax at the same time it looks like you should mm-hmm. both know exactly what you're doing you don't even need to talk to each other like it's just straight passion the whole time like you know people like are having sex against a wall and it looks effortless <laughs> and comfortable and you're like what right, the right. what the hell like that is not realistic in any way shape or form and so yeah. for me it's been a like a journey of really unpacking that and being like okay real life people actually like give feedback talk to each other laugh during sex like it doesn't have to be like this <gasps> yeah, steamy real. sex scene. also shower sex is terrible like there's so many misconceptions Yay, it's the worst. yeah it's not my thing yeah not, not to yuck anybody's yum but it's not my thing yeah, not my thing so we just have to be open to like exploring and questioning everything that we see and also be open like you said to being vulnerable and just in general like vulnerability has worked wonders in my life like when you open up to people you open yourself up to like the entire spectrum of experience because if you're just like Mm -hmm. building these walls, you're not going to have the highest highs or the lowest lows because you're just so like contained and uptight and like to yourself. Mm -hmm. So I totally agree that
1: vulnerability is huge there. Yeah. And the more vulnerable you are, I will say the easier it can become. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I like first started about my posting about my fitness journey And then, like, you know, posting pictures of your body that are quote unquote unflattering can be vulnerable at first. And now I'm like, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Because, like, I've done it so many times and, like, I've worked through all my stuff, of course. But the more you do it, the easier it becomes. And, like, again, like me releasing this guide was super vulnerable because I'm like, I'm sharing some really detailed stories. Yeah, you did. And I don't know how the world's going to perceive it. But, It created a deeper connection with my audience and it helped so many people. And I think viewing it in that way can be really helpful. Mm -hmm. And like, again, with sex, yes, like we, like again, with porn, like they just show how sex flows so seamlessly and that's just not what happens. (laughs) Like something like there have been times when I started my period in the middle of like a sexual interaction. It's like, okay, I'll be right back. I'm going to get a towel and then we'll continue. And then there was a time, so I actually write about it in Sex with the Lights On when I ate before sex and I got a little too carried away and I threw up on my partner's, you know, So (laughs) that happens. I could not believe my eyes when I read that. I was like, is this (laughs) like, this is real. Okay. Yeah. I was like, these things happen during sex. And it was just like, I looked at him and I I tried not to apologize and I didn't. I just (laughs) like started laughing. I'm like, so I just like threw up on your dick and um, I'm going to go to the bathroom And he went to the bathroom, cleaned it off, and then we continued the interaction. Oh, my God. That's
0: maybe the funniest part is that you guys (laughs) just like went back to it and that didn't ruin your experience. And that says so much about like being open and vulnerable and like actually connected to your partner. Because I think a lot of people would honestly like run away, potentially never talk to that person again because that – is like potentially super embarrassing but when you're just like own what you have going on even if it's you're vomiting on someone's penis then Mm -hmm. like nothing can really phase you anymore you know (laughs) yeah right I was (laughs) like well if I can throw up on somebody's dick and be
1: fine I can do anything yeah yeah I've got like (laughs) come at me life you know yeah But I just like, again, like, I think it's really important for us to realize that sex doesn't always flow so seamlessly. And sometimes you have to take breaks. And sometimes something comes up Mm -hmm. and letting that be okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And one thing that I really noticed about your guide too, is that like a lot of the things you're talking about, first of all, I feel like I'm talking to a friend or a friend is talking to me, I guess. And another thing is like, For a lot of girls, I feel like my friends and I are pretty open about this stuff, but for a lot of women, like they don't have anyone to talk to Mm -hmm. about this stuff. Like they Mm -hmm. have never talked to someone about their like embarrassing sex moments or like what they like or what they, I don't know. Like I just, I would hate for women to not have anyone to go to for this stuff that's like actually reliable, actually relatable, and like vulnerable and real aside from the media, which, we've discussed is not a reliable resource right so where can they find your guide then we've like hyped it up so much but
1: where can they get it yeah so you can either go to my instagram which is just Day Moretti, and it's in the bio or you can go to devondaymoretti.com slash sex with the lights on okay perfect you guys have to get it and the guide's completely free yeah all
0: yours yeah it's (laughs) it's really comprehensive it's really thorough and you're really great at storytelling as well so it was really fun to read through thank you i appreciate that and you guys are gonna love it so be sure to head over to devin's website devin's instagram tell her thank you for being on the show and sharing so openly and honestly and just giving her time to us and devin last but not least because this is a grind and be grateful podcast The question I ask everyone is, what is one thing that you are currently
1: grinding toward and what is one thing that you are hugely grateful for? So one thing I am grinding toward, which is relatable, is I'm actually working on coming out with the course in 2019. I don't know exactly the date, but it will be called Sex with the Lights On and I just plan on going more in depth. And one thing I'm grateful for are the, the turbulence that I've gone through this past year because As hard as it was to go through, it's helped shape me into the person that I am today and it's made me stronger. And I think it's really important to look at like the hardships that we go through and realize that it's all designed in a way to expand us and help us grow. Mm -hmm. It's the whole idea of like life happens for you, not to you. Yeah.
0: I love it. Well, thank you so, so much for being on the show. Again, you guys show Devin some love and tell her thank you for her time and her wisdom. And I will talk to you again soon, girl. Thank you. Before you go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for spending your time with me on the Grind and Be Grateful podcast today. I'm super happy that we were able to hang out and share some good vibes today. It would mean the absolute world to me if you could take one second to share this episode with someone who you think would love it, whether it's texting it to your friend, linking it on Twitter, or posting a screenshot on your Instagram story. It is all super appreciated. And please leave a show review on iTunes if you're enjoying it. Tell me what you think. Let me know what you want to hear more of this show is for you so your feedback matters plus it would really help me out on my mission to educate and empower women everywhere to become their very best selves thank you again for listening and supporting
1: the show and until next time don't forget to grind to be grateful my friends